Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Wikishuffle, the podcast that was reviewed this week by one podcast listener as a bit like QI, but not as good. Hey! Mm. That's nice, isn't it? Who said that? Just some guy. I don't I can't remember his name. A bit like QI, but not as good. A little, little bit like it. it. Not as yeah, good. Yeah, well, what? Are we honestly expecting that anyone's going to review it like QI, only better? That's never going to happen. Anyway, like QI, I am joined this week by my Stephen Fryer-like host, Phil Sharman. Hello! He's posh, he's pompous, and he appears to be a lot smarter than he is because he gets to read off of an autocue. <laughs> Uh, playing the role of Alan Davies, yeah. he's a lovable dope, and he loves punching tramps. It's Chris Wallace. Oh, and I guess I'm David Mitchell. Not much to look at, but very handsome, charming, and hilarious. Not much to look at yet. Handsome. handsome. I don't know why I said handsome. Oh, fuck it, I'm handsome. <laughs> you are handsome. You go I with am. that. Thanks. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. And, and I'd say technically, you are quite a lot to look at. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like being back at school. <laughs> You bring it on yourself by being so mean all the time. Mm. Anyway, we're going to click the random article button on Wikipedia because the Wikipedia site, wikipedia.org, has a random article button and if you press it, a random article pops up and we're going to press that and we're going to talk about whatever comes up. Does that sound good? Yep, sounds great. But first, we've got to talk about this music situation because I don't want to wait till the end of the podcast to you get this off my wait. chest. Okay. So, Phil, do you is want it, to... Is it I'm, I'm the best? Uh, the best taste? No, I think it's that we is need... That what it is? We No, I mean, obviously it isn't. You obviously don't have the best taste. You have the most. I clearly do. You have the most popular taste. Yeah, the best. But that doesn't mean best. No, it sort of does. I mean, it doesn't, though, does it? How's that? How's that so? Because Mumford and Sons are popular. You two are popular. Doesn't mean they're good. You're just sour because your little well, little playlist. We, no, I just wanted to to. I mean, I beat Phil obviously because Phil's. Was awful. Shall we provide but, some context into what the hell we're talking about here? Because I think some people might not understand. A couple of weeks ago, we said that we were going to put together a Wikishuffle playlist. And then we decided that we weren't going to do that. And instead, we put together three Wikishuffle playlists, each of us choosing ten bangers. No, it wasn't bangers. We said bangers a lot. We, it we was did, bangers. but I didn't create mine thinking bangers. I created well, mine thinking listen listen songs. Yeah. yeah, but neither of you have bangers. Yeah, mine All bangers. of mine are bangers. You're, no, Chris, I love the Cocteau Borderline. Twin. I love, I know, Borderline is a banger, but you've got Cocteau Twins in there, not a banger. I'll I love Cocteau Twins, but it's not a banger. I'll tell you my, my method, right, for my winning playlist. Start off strong, so studio, strong start, into Borderline. Then it gets, like, little mixes there. And maybe it gets a bit more serious side of pop. A bit more sort of, oh. Is it, are they bangers? Shut up. I'm, I'm explaining my playlist. Oh, interesting pop. I like it. Cocteau Twins. Still, still poppy, but more serious. And then perks right up at the end. Like a little tick. Tick for win. <laughs> <laughs> and I end, I end on the Saturdays. Ego. Brilliant. It's an amazing playlist and deserves the win. To be but, fair. But, but I followed Phil's lead... Look, because we've created these players in five minutes. 
Oh, shut up. You put so much more time into it than five minutes. No, it was five minutes. I've got the WhatsApp conversations to prove it. If, if you want, yeah, if you want evidence, I can provide evidence. But we did it in a rushed way, as we do most things on this podcast. And mine was deleted. But I looked at Phil's. Yours was deleted. Yeah. And I had to put it together again. I know, it was terrible. But Phil, yours, yours aren't bangers. There they are. There's just, we have different definitions of what it is to bang. <laughs> yeah, and yours is really twee and sickly and... Yeah, and that's fine. what I find banging. Okay, all right. That's how I bang. That's fine, but I would like a recount. Not a recount. I, I just want to do my playlist you want again. A I want to do a bangers playlist. You want to do Because I've only really got... I've got Lorene Euphoria in there, and that's probably my only banger. That's like the worst one on your whole playlist. Uh, it's the best... Probably the best song of all time. Um, you know what? You can. Fine, do it. But it's not. I'm not going to do one, and Phil, you shouldn't do one either. Because you can do this for fun to prove that you're not... Bleh. What's that? That's what, that's what your playlist was. Was it? Yeah. No, it's some good music. Mm. It's just not bangers. It's just no Saturdays, is it? So we've had a Twitter poll up <sighs> throughout the week, and at the time of recording, more than half the votes have gone to Chris. And by the time this comes out, the vote will be over, and I've won. Chris it does, is just a populist scumbag. You can't just... But just if you're won. having a popularity contest, then being populist is kind of what you need to do. I stand it wasn't by... A pop, it, wasn't a, it was supposed to be a who has the best music taste contest, not a popularity contest. And well, think, how are the two different? If you're asking the general populace... I mean, our listeners in particular, they're not the brightest bunch. Oh, they're idiots. Pafster, yeah. idiot. Alex Sumter, idiot. Fool. Yeah. Worst listeners ever. <laughs> leave us alone I stand by the quality of my list and to be fair there's only like one vote between you and I Jack and we have been tussling for second place all week yeah and we might have to concede that Molly coddling of the popular vote has, has worked for him okay but I'm going to do another playlist I'm going to do a playlist of 10 bangers just to prove just, yourself I'm not trying to prove myself I just want if I, if we're doing bangers I'm going to do a playlist of bangers okay, and then I'll do. feel I'll feel happy then. okay well, that's fine don't talk to me in that tone of voice I didn't do, do bangers and there's no I way know, on earth. I know, I know. There's no way on earth that I thought Stina Nordenstam was a banger, all right? <laughs> there's just not. You do your own little bangers. I, I didn't realise we were doing bangers. Okay. Fuck you. <laughs> I did bangers. Mine banged all over. Just bang after bang after bang. Quietly. Quiet, <laughs> quiet, <laughs> Weeping in the corner. Contemplative banging. banging. Weeping in a chalet at Butlins. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like the little indie princess that you are. <laughs> And proud. Uh, should we do a podcast? Yeah. Let's do a podcast. Hooray. Cortical encephalogram signal analysis. Inter- <laughs> Not got anything witty just off the bat on that one. Then no, you because two, no? most of those words I don't, I don't understand. I, no, it's the signal analysis of intracortical encephalograms. You love That's it. all I know at this point. Intracortical encephalogram. I got it right the first time, it and is. now I'm struggling. Intracortical encephalogram signal analysis. Brackets mind ice, which makes it sound cool. It does. Is the learning and subsequent prediction of electrical activity inside the grey matter of the brain produced by the firing of neurons within the brain. The learning and subsequent... I think this is one of those ones that's going to take me... I'm going to have to read every sentence you read and then read it again. Read it again, <laughs> yeah.
and dissect it that way. So it's the prediction of electrical activity inside the grey matter of the brain produced by the firing of neurons within the brain. What's going on in your thought house? What's going on in, in, in your thought house? <laughs> Up your exactly. noggin. Got you. The device was made by... Oh, it's a device. Okay. Yeah. The device was made by clinical researchers and medical doctors at Columbia University, University of Colorado, and the University of Colorado at Colorado Springs. Intracortical encephalogram signal analysis has two components. One, an intracortical EEG multi-contact electrode, brackets, ICE, the ice, that's in the thing, mind ice, mind in brain, right? Take your time <laughs> and internalise some of these processes. <laughs> It'll all be okay. So component number one is an intracortical EEG multi-contact electrode, ice, that is inserted through a patient's skull and deep into the grey matter of the patient. Uh, like a brain needle. It seems like a brain needle. Why are you laughing at me? This is what it is. Brain needles. And number two, an artificial intelligent agent that is trained in neurological signal analysis. Oh, Chris's face went then. He was uh, <laughs> two seconds ago. He was boasting about how he's got it, but then his face turned. Yeah, yeah, so that's what? that's the confusion. Element two, an artificial intelligent agent. So like a computer spy that's trained in it. That's in the that's in the needle. So I think it's it's very strangely worded that I think they're talking about a computer that just reads the signal and does stuff with a it. A robot. But let's find out. It could be that it's a human interpreter because it's still got the needle. There's a surprise with things like when you have a CAT scan and things like that, the amount of interpretation of that data that is still done just by a doctor having a look at it and saying, Yeah, it looks all right, is quite worrying. Hmm. You'd expect that kind of thing. Oh, it's all done and it's computerised and consistent, but no, it's a doctor going, that looks all right. Robot doctor. Chris, a cat scan is not a scan that's performed by a cat before you start. (laughs) I know that. We've covered it. The ice component comprises a catheter with platinum sensors that, when inserted into the brain, allows for recording directly from the cerebral cortex of patients with acute brain injury. The artificial intelligence and knowledge discovery of neurological signals component was first derived using intracortical electrodes in rats to predict epilepsy seizures in rats by six seconds. That doesn't give them much time to fix it. Bit of time to move some furniture out the way. Poor epileptic rats. The problem with that is they, they probably weren't epileptic to begin with. The evil scientists have made them epileptic out of malice. Uh, There's a lot going on here. Is it, like, why... I think we're all moderately intelligent men. But this is just... I'm too stupid. And that kind of hurts. And that, it makes me sympathise with people that are maybe of a lower intelligence than even I am. Because this must be what, like, the EU referendum would mean to them. They must be looking at it and just not getting it. And just be like, going, ah, immigrants, let's leave. I feel like a commentator on the EU thing. Where I'm going, yeah, I know what's going on. And I'm keeping going with it, thinking I do. But there's a good chance that there isn't a a secret agent going inside my brain. (laughs) (laughs) Even though that's what I'm reading from it. But it's nice that you can acknowledge that you might be wrong. Yeah. So you've got that level of intelligence. Mm. But you don't have the level of intelligence to fully understand all of this. I'm trying my best. It's good. You've got the self-awareness. Yes, yeah. that's what Which is half the battle. thought is. I didn't even need an agent for that. No. I just did that all on my own brain house. <laughs> Phil's quite a lot more intelligent than we are, and I kind of hate him for it. These models... No, no, you don't just go, ah, oh, you're supposed to say, that's not true. You, you guys never are do that. He knows. But no, he just goes, oh. I just call my brain my brain house. <laughs> well, I was being polite, including you, to be fair. I am aware enough to know that... 
if you exhibited evidence of being as intelligent as me, I would accept it. <laughs> is that what you're looking for? Do you know what your IQ is? A meaningless measure that determines nothing about your actual intelligence. Okay, so it's a low. No. <laughs> Go on. I'd, I haven't measured it in years, but it was in the 150s when I lasted. 150s? Yeah. Well, it's the Jesus. thing that I'm really good at. Mathematical puzzles, I can do those in my sleep. So I, I try. But, but I can't do platformers. We've established this. <laughs> I can't get past the first level on Mario. So, you know, and I'm not sure I should be allowed to drive on the roads. So it's, <laughs> it swings around about, isn't can't it? Can't be good at everything. Yeah. The and only... as for ball sports, forget about it. <laughs> I've only ever tried, like, IQ chess. I've tried it a couple of times. Mm. And it's not that I can't do it. It's just I get bored halfway through. That's With part of that, the challenge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What does yeah. that mean? It's like saying I would have been a, a gold medal sprinter, but I couldn't really be bothered. Yeah. That isn't enough. But there may be uh, the potential is there. I could have a really good idea. I just don't know because I haven't bothered to finish the test. Yeah. Well, it's been great having Joey Essex on as a guest. And you see, I didn't get that reference. I laughed anyway. You laughed I'm, because I'm socially you, aware. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, 150 odd. What's the I average? Can't get Isn't the average like 70 or 80? No, the average, the average is 100. That's oh, is it? Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know what the numbers are. I know what numbers are. It's not those ones. Oh, I'm not doing myself any favours today. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we get back to whatever's going on in the thinky box? In the old think box. These models used in the clinical environs of noisy domains, spectral analysis, knowledge discovery in databases, discrete finite automata and sequential and coincident power spectra are incorporated into the ICE component to read, learn and predict severe neurological disorders. I'll be honest, I'm, I'm out now. Yeah, good, I'm glad. Well, I got that a bit. Noisy domains and spectral Oh, you got that? Yeah. Would you like to explain finite automata yeah. to us? Discrete finite automata? Well, I don't know that bit. Right. I get the gist. Oh, okay. Um, spectral analysis in this context? Ghosts. Just ghosts and stuff, yeah. Right. And then when all that happens, you get like a little printout that says you've got epilepsy. Or you've got... Ghosts. Ghosts. <laughs> Yeah, I think you've got it. Uh, yeah. I see no evidence to suggest that you haven't. The prediction. You've got ghosts. <laughs> the Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan <laughs> sequel, <laughs> starring Bruce Willis. Why doesn't Tom Hanks make comedies anymore? I love Tom I Hanks, and I love Tom Hanks in his serious roles. Yeah. But I would like to see the Money Pit too. Uh, I would like to yeah. see another balls out Tom Hanks comedy. Tom Hanks is always got. He does a lot of Saturday Night Lives, and he's really good at it. And he does that, what's that video he did for that singer? For that pop singer? Who's that pop singer? <laughs> this is your specialist subject here, Chris. Oh, I've forgotten a name. I know, she, he did, oh, um, it's, it's, what's her face from that song? Da, 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 da. Really, really, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. By um, three, it's a double-barreled name. Hold on, hold on, this could come out with my wife. Oh, this is... Carly Rae Jepsen. Carly Rae Jepsen. Uh, that was a funny video, so he still got his little comedy thing. Breaky Breaky Heart. Billy Ray Cyrus. No, carry on. What about Tom Hanks? Toy Story. You know what I mean. His 80s comedy turns. Yeah, okay. Where With the pratfalls and the nonsense. Because he's so good at it. He's better than anybody at that. I know what we're doing here. We don't understand the article. <laughs> so we're talking about Tom Hanks comedies from the 80s. <laughs> Which we all understand We all understand well. it. We all know what's going on there. Yeah. But I think we need to finish this article. Okay. Because we're not a film podcast. Though. No. But we're not... A- Intercortical and cervical arm. podcast. Sounded like you were having a stroke. Well, this thing can probably fix it, or at least find out that I'm going to have it. At least tell you about it six seconds in advance. <laughs> <laughs>
The prediction, detection, and interpretation of abnormal brain electrical activity is an area wherein technological advancement is necessary in the current state-of-the-art methods for electroencephalography are retrospective, prone to subjectivity, and obviate real-time data interpretation that is often necessary to allow timely and accurate therapeutic intervention by neurologists and neurosurgeons. Print it's it a long sentence. Print it out. That's Print what it, it is. Out, yeah. Print it out. Doctor's going to look at it. I think they we've, got, just I think we've got it, yeah. It's just a brain test. It's just a brain test. That's yeah. all we need to know about it. Okay, cool. Thank you, Doctor. Intracortical encephalogram signal analysis is done by neurosurgeon clinical researchers and those who create artificial intelligence system for computing signal analysis. Fourier transforms and knowledge discovery in databases. I hope we've taught you all something there, because mm. that's the end of the article. Well, I didn't really feel like I've reached a conclusion in my understanding. There's a brain test... And it tests your brain for bad things. Rats get epilepsy in six seconds. Let's leave this one and move on. Hopefully it'll be another member of S Club 7 coming up next. I'm pretty confident that we may be about to return back to a pretty safe comfort zone for us. Really? Because now we're going to talk about Blue Peter Pets. Yes. I can handle that. I can do that. The Blue Peter Pets are animals that regularly appear on the long-running BBC children's television series Blue Peter. Can we explain for our international listeners what Blue Peter is? I just thought the exact same thing. We don't do that anymore. We don't no, care we about don't, explaining. Yeah, we've, we don't we've we've forgotten about you. Um, well, we should use, do it for the British-specific. We, we use we Wikipedia. So I assume people who are listening to our podcast know what Wikipedia is. So they just look it up themselves. Yeah, maybe we should just replace the format with just a list of titles of, <laughs> of articles and then just get people to click on them. Be easier. It would. It would be easier. Oh, God, it would. <laughs> We'd embarrass ourselves less often. So what is Blue Peter, Phil? Blue Peter is a children's television program that's been running since about 1950. A bloody long time. And it is... It's a magazine it's, it's a magazine programme, but I, I want to get across just how BBC it is. Oh, it's so BBC. It is, isn't it? How strangely middle class in a world where that kind of mm. middle classness doesn't really exist anymore. It's for white kids. It is for white kids. It's for white kids. But they let, they let non-white people present it sometimes. Yeah. Just, you know, let them in. Uh, and I'm sure they wouldn't just state that as their official policy anymore. <laughs> but certainly, in its early days, it was for white kids. Yeah. People on their way home from their grammar schools would watch that, while the riffraff wouldn't have TVs and they'd be outside playing in the streets with their whippets and <laughs> ferrets, I See, imagine. I remember the show and I remember the presenters... But what happened? Someone made something out of, like, toilet rolls. There'd be a craftsy section. But what was the, the actual content? There'd be a lot of, let's send Simon out to do hand gliding. Or yeah, lots of, lots of outside broadcasts. So it'd be yeah. studio-based, and they'd cut to some out, outside broadcast VT of them orienteering. Or yeah, a lot of orienteering. Looking at, looking at badgers. His or Katie Hill on a yacht. Here's Katie Hill on a yacht, yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. And then they'd do studio segments, which would be they'd have somebody in who can do that thing with the baton twirling. They'd have baton yeah, twirlers in. Um, thing. Maybe some Irish Diablo. dance. Yeah, Diabloing. <laughs> Maybe some um, traditional Irish dancers. And they'd show you how, like, yoghurt gets made. <laughs> like, on the VTs. Yeah. That wasn't a euphemism. Kids are so boring. <laughs> <laughs> Blue Peter was... For, I never liked Blue Peter. It was always really... Really? Boring, I, you're it? like the target audience. Uh, but you'd have thought so, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. Who are your yeah. presenters? Just, uh, just oh, like, God, We're not going to go down the, the okay. age thing. I just, just... I don't know. So. Um, Singleton. <laughs> <laughs> no, um... 
Sophie Ellis Baxter's mum. Uh, I was a Ellis. bit too young for Janet Ellis. Oh, I just about remember Janet Ellis presenting, but mine were John Leslie and another mention for John Leslie, Mark Curry, <laughs> Yvette Fielding. And Anthea Turner. No, we were, got, we were Anthea, Anthea Turner. Turner was a bit late for I think we me. were just a bit too... Uh, Anthea Turner was a bit early for us. I think that was just when we picked it up. We had Tim Vincent. We had Tim Vincent. Katie Hill. Richard Tommy Bacon. Huck, um, and then we, we stopped when your man from the one show came on. Oh, Matt Baker. Matt Baker. He was like... We were just too old for it. So there you go. Now we know. <laughs> so we were a whole, ge- we know. We're a whole generation context. of presenters apart. Mm, yeah. That says a lot. That's that, probably that quite us. an important thing in a child's yeah. life. None of us are like young enough to be skeletoners, old Helen Skeleton. No. And a big part of Blue Peter was that they would have sort of studio pets that so they would teach children about how to look after pets and they'd just be there sort of mulling around in the studio. Shitting. Shitting. There was a, there was a horse, wasn't it? A horse shat on the Blue Peter uh, an elephant. studio floor. There was, was an a, elephant, there was an elephant yeah, that yeah, yeah. famously well, did a, What a is lot it they say about people. animals and kids? And the Blue Peter just combines the two. What is it they say about animals Don't and work kids? with animals and kids. Never oh, have sex thought, with. Oh, yeah, I thought it was don't fuck <laughs> That's That's one of the new BBC rules. <laughs> <laughs> that one wasn't introduced at the time that Blue Peter started, you're correct. <laughs> they have to have that written up now. They've got all the rules in, in laminate in the canteen. <laughs> the Blue Peter pets are animals that regularly appear on the long-running BBC children's television series Blue Peter. For 27 years, when not on TV, these pets were often looked after by Blue Peter's long-standing pet keeper, Edith Menezes, who died in 1994. Now they're just allowed to roam wild. <laughs> All over the BBC. <laughs> no, in Edith Menezes' house, they're slowly eating her face. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> Edith was a lovely woman. The first pet was a dog named Petra in 1962. Cool name for a dog. And since then, there have been several dogs, cats, tortoises, parrots, and horses, Joe and Simon. The current animals on the show are cats named Socks and Cookie, Shelly the tortoise, Iggy the trainee guide dog puppy, and the rarely seen Blue Peter riding for the disabled horse, Jet. Jet. They used to just, yeah, they used to just give them standard names, like Joe and Simon. And now they're called, like, gladiator names, like Jet and Iggy and Socks. Socks is in a gladiator. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine Socks doing the hoop one. It's not even funny. I don't know why. Socks. Why are we all yeah. in this mood today? I don't know. Oh. I, get it. I just had to spit my coke out into a cup. <laughs> Rags was another pony named by viewers who was purchased by the proceeds of a Christmas appeal in the late 1970s as a riding for the disabled horse. The Blue Peter Parrot, Joey, and one successor, Barney, featured in the 1960s, but when Barney, a blue-fronted Amazon, died, he was not replaced. In the 1986 documentary shown on BBC Two as part of the Did You See series, former presenter Peter Purvis recalled that Biddy Baxter, the show's editor, had called him in floods of tears the day the first Parrot Joey had died. He went on to muse in the same interview that had he himself died, Baxter would have been far less upset. Um, Yeah, Parrot's. The original idea behind featuring the programme's pets was to teach viewers who had animals of their own how to look after them, and for the creatures to act as surrogate pets for those that did not own any. For example, dog training items, tortoise hibernation and cat care are often featured on the programme. However, the keeping of rabbits and mice was deemed not suitable as these often died. (laughs) It says a lot about 1960s Britain that tortoise ownership was enough of a thing that it needed a national television programme on how to do it. 
Don't you just like put them in the box and then leave them? Just leave them in the garage. Pretty much. Now, our age difference is going to come up again now. Okay. Because I'm pretty sure you don't remember an age where there were lots of tortoises around. No. And a lot of people used to just have tortoises just roaming free in their gardens. What? You don't even believe this, do you? No. Just in the back, what? Just what in mean? their gardens. They just leave them out there, and that was their pet tortoise would just be in their garden and like it would fenced? just live there. Yeah, it would be fenced. Okay. What about cats? They've got a shell. This was a thing. What about and foxes? It was definitely the tail end of this happening that I remember, but I can definitely remember a few people having them. And in my sort of mum's generation, yeah, everybody had a tortoise in their garden. And every bonfire night, you they'd come... Them. No, every bonfire night, because it was at the beginning of November, there'd be national warnings, particularly on Blue Peter, saying, check your bonfire before you light it to make sure no tortoises have got in. Well, we get that now, but for hedgehogs. Yeah, but we used to be for tortoises, which well. are not an indigenous thing. No, I'm going to get one. No, you're not. And what yeah, would you no, do with like, it? Just leave it in the garden. You don't have the time and patience for a For a tortoise. If I have the time and patience for any animal, it's a tortoise. What would you, what would you call it? Uh, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff. Jeff that lives in your garden. Yeah. What would you feed it? What would the tortoise eat? Just let it fend for itself. It'll fend for itself. I'm not sure that in good conscience I can allow this to happen. But it what? It was all right in the 60s? No, it wasn't. That's kind of the point I'm making. No, okay. I want a port- I want a tortoise. Can you buy me one? No. You've got a turtle. Oh yeah, I've got a turtle. No, but they're different <laughs> things. They're different things. Whatever don't get too excited. That's a turtle. We're talking about tortoises. Did I read you my turtle fact? I don't think no, we did. I don't think you did. Turtle. <laughs> we didn't say read it to us, please. We just said well, you didn't. It's a fact. Read. This is an intellectual, informative podcast. Turtles were around more than sixty-five million years ago, and lived alongside dinosaurs because they are a bit dinosaury. Some prehistoric turtles reach gigantic sizes, like as big as a car. Doesn't say that, I'm just guessing. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. This is a fact (laughs) laced with speculation. (laughs) As big as a car. It didn't say anywhere that they're a bit dinosaur-y, did it? The largest largest weighed more than 2,000 kilograms. That's as big as a car. It does not say that, does it? Look at my turtle. Tag. <laughs> Look at my turtle. Five meters. It's big as a car. It's bigger than like way bigger than a car. Yeah. But this is a long time ago, and they were like you say they were a bit dinosaury. <laughs> so it makes sense. Petra was a female mongrel that appeared on Blue Peter between 1962 and 1977. Petra was the first Blue Peter pet and remains one of the best known. To date, brackets May 2011, so if anyone feels like updating this, then please go ahead. It's five years out of date now. Petra is the longest serving Blue Peter pet. She was weighed on one of the episodes and found to weigh about two stone. Good work. (laughs) She had several puppies, including Patch, who also became a Blue Peter pet, and who predeceased her. No. Aww. Aww. What does that mean? Died before her. Oh. Petra lost her teeth at an early age, but this was not necessarily a bad thing. Blue Peter presenter Peter Purvis once said that she was often bad-tempered and would gum you to death if she had the chance. Bloody hell. Ooh. This doesn't sound like a very good instruction on gum how to look after to a death. dog. It's a horrible way to go out. It can't be fun for a dog being in hot studio lights. No, with no teeth. Prodded at by children and Peter Purvis. It was later revealed that... Oh, yeah, I've heard about this. This is a good story. It was later 
later revealed that the original unnamed puppy had died of distemper a few days after her first appearance on Blue Peter. Does that mean it was just, like, angry? No, distemper's a dog disease. And so they got this puppy on as Petra. Yeah. The puppy appeared. A couple of days later, it died. They decided not to tell the audience of Blue Peter that this happened and just replaced it with another dog. Protect the kids. A lot of parents have probably done that. Yeah, that's such a parent move. I'd have just said... Kids, uh, dogs die. And just waved the dead puppy <laughs> corpse at them. <laughs> On national television. Get your smell-o-vision cards out now, kids. <laughs> and then they could do a nice segment on taxidermy. Just keep them all, all in the studio. And as the, as the cool. show goes on over generations, there's all these stuffed pet dogs and cats. And you can tell what era they're from by the clothes they've dressed them up in. Helen Skelton's clambering over a couple of tabbies. <laughs> Instead of informing viewers and feeling that there was no need to upset children needlessly, that's a tautology, no need to upset children needlessly, the mm-hmm. programme's director and producer Edward Barnes and Biddy Baxter bought a similar-looking replacement puppy, which was subsequently named Petra by the viewers. I couldn't get away with that now. It would be exposed straight away on YouTube. That's uh, one of the downsides of high definition. Shep, from 1971 to 1987. Border Collie. I remember, remember Shep, Shep? yeah is widely considered to be the most famous Blue Peter pet. Shep was bought by the BBC to replace Patch, one of Petra's puppies born in 1965. He became the main Blue Peter dog when Petra died in 1977. Shep is remembered by viewers as being inseparable from Blue Peter presenter John Noakes. Shep was excitable and Noakes would often have to restrain him. Noakes' common refrain, get down Shep, became a catchphrase. Shep died on 17th of January 1987. I feel like that's a recurring theme. What, they die? <laughs> they die. The mortality yes. of animals, This yeah. is what happens. Bonnie was a female mm. golden retriever dog who appeared on Blue Peter in the late 1980s and 90s. She was the daughter of Goldie and succeeded her mother as the Blue Peter dog. Bonnie appeared in 1,150 editions of the programme alongside 16 different presenters until she retired in 1999 to live with Leonie Pocock, her off-screen owner. Bonnie died at the age of 15 in 2001. That was our, that was our age, wasn't it? Late Bonnie, age, Bonnie's, it? she's our one. And Mabel. Oh, Mabel's next. Mabel was a Blue Merle Border Collie and was Blue Peter's second longest serving dog after Petra, being on the show for more than 14 years. Mabel was rescued by the RSPCA who found her in South East London in 1996. She was about six months old when she joined Blue Peter. Her name was derived from the label on her RSPCA kennel, Mab1. Mabel was noticeable for having heterochromia eyes, one blue and one brown. Are you not going to make the Bowie connection? I wasn't going to because you've upset me about David Bowie today. <laughs> <laughs> Suggesting that The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust isn't a good album. Well, it's not, is it? No, I, mean, I was reading that's just right. stupid. I was going to say it's not, it's, not one, it's not even in my top five Bowie albums, but it's still easily in the top 50 albums of all time, isn't it, really? I was going to say something about this last night when I saw this conversation happening over the mm. Twitters, and I thought, well, I, I'm, I'm don't, I don't fit in on this podcast. I just don't fit in. Why? Because I, I don't care about any of that. okay I'd I'd say I don't care you're just trying to upset me that's what you're doing you're just a mean man and you're trying to upset me it just never was for me 
Okay. Well, and that, Stuart that's Lee's fine. on my side. That's what we were talking about. Stuart Lee has done a bit for the Ram Album Club this week, which is a great little website. You should definitely go and check yes. that out. Brilliant. And he, it's basically they get a celebrity on every... I use the word celebrity loosely in the hope that one day they'll invite us. Uh, you think that's going to happen? No. no. And they play an album that somebody's never listened to, what's regarded as a classic album. And this week, Stuart Lee listened to Ziggy Stardust and didn't like it. And I don't like it. Stuart Lee doesn't like anything. I don't like anything. Good. The Perry can fuck off. <laughs> I, I take that back. I love Stuart Lee. <laughs> Ouch. At least, at least Stuart Lee said, look, I don't like Ziggy Stardust, but here's a 500-word essay about why I don't like it. You've done nothing of the sort. You've just said, no, don't like it. I will Back deliver it up. up. I will deliver up a 500-word essay Thank on you. why that's I all, don't like it. That's all I ask. Yeah. That's all I ask. It will be just the words pomp and ceremony repeated. Oh. As Mabel's exact date of birth is unknown, her birthday was celebrated on 3rd of February, the same day as former Blue Peter dog, Bonnie. On 10th of March 2010, it was announced that Mabel would be retiring from the show after 14 years. Lucy... From February 1998 to April 2011 was a Blue Peter pet for 12 years, a pedigree golden retriever. She famously once wandered into Paul O'Grady's dressing room and was scared off by his dog. (laughs) Paul O'Grady's dog is a little pipsqueak. (laughs) Meg was a border collie who belonged to presenter Matt Baker. Whilst not considered an official Blue Peter pet, as she lived with Baker's family in County Durham and was trained as a sheepdog, she frequently appeared on the show alongside Baker during his tenure as a Blue Peter presenter. Her highlights whilst on the show included demonstrating her sheepdog skills and giving birth to a litter of puppies. Uh, that would have been gross. Mm. Watching her Matt eat Baker. the placenta. Well, Matt Baker, yeah. Watching Matt Baker's face. He didn't eat the placenta. I wouldn't have imagined <gasps> You know what? So. I don't know. Maybe it was a country for a bit. You don't know what Matt Baker gets up to. Matt Baker, he's just a weird man. Is he? I think so. Placenta eating weird. Puppy placenta eating weird. I'd eat a placenta, but not a puppy plus placenta. Placenta and chips. <laughs> Fry it up. Are you thinking of polenta? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I'm fussy. The programme has had a long association with guide dogs, which stretches back to 1964, captivating millions of viewers and helping to transform the lives of thousands of visually impaired people. The first Blue Peter guide dog puppy was Honey, whose training was chartered by Valerie Singleton on the programme in 1964. Since then, there has been Cindy, who was puppy walked by Peter Purvis in 1968, Buttons, who was featured in the mid-1970s, Prince, a son of Goldie, whose training was followed by Peter Duncan, and most recently, a second pup called Honey, named in honour of her predecessor who was trained by presenter John Leslie during 1991. Jason was the first Blue Peter cat. He was a seal point Siamese who joined after appearing on an episode with his mother, brother and sister at just three weeks old and was named by a viewer who had been inspired by the TV series Jason and the Argonauts. (laughs) (laughs) Willow, Carrie and Oak, Smudge. One of the shortest serving Blue Peter pets. Smudge was named as a kitten by the viewers of one of the most can, popular kittens we, on the can show. We, can I just carry an oak? Think about it, mate. Carry Karaoke? There you go. Oh, it's Carrie and Oki. I get it now. Maggie and Jim, we're in the tortoises section now, were brother and sister who made their first appearance in 1974 and joined the show on a regular basis in 1979 after the death of Frieda. They were named after Margaret Thatcher and James Callaghan, both prime ministers of that year. (laughs) (laughs) The two did not survive winter of January 1982. Ha! There we have it, episode 59. 
59. Of Wiki Shuffle. Wiki Shuffle. Chris, you've brought in, uh, as you do, show and tell with Chris to end every podcast. It's a podcast. bit of a segment, isn't it? So you get to bring in your toys. I'm bringing my toys. What toy have you brought in this well, week? Well, do you remember at Halloween, we talked about the Friday the 13th video game? I do remember that, yes, because it happened. It, it's mm. a thing and I was happened, there. And you were there for. Um, and there was a toy we mentioned that came out. And I bought that toy at the time. And it arrived like a week ago. <laughs> so it's past Halloween, but it is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Mm. It's cool, is it, isn't it? Is, it like, is, is the box worn or is it? Is that a design? It's there's design. They've I think. designed it to make it look. They designed it to make it look. Yeah, worn. distressed. But it says on the front, "Open flap to play." <laughs> That's not even funny. <laughs> Immature child. I'm trying to talk about my toy. <laughs> Open flap to play authentic theme music. This might not work. Sometimes it doesn't work. Eh? It's good, isn't it? And he's got his little purple... Oh, shut up. Shut up. He's got his little purple suit on. Can I have a look? Have a look. Don't, you're not going to throw it in the bin because I really like it. <sighs> yeah, because it costs you like... I mean, this is a... this. What this is, Chris, is it's an action figure. <laughs> yeah. That you're keeping in a box. Because open it again. That's cool. And it's got a little detachable head. And it is... I just don't... Why? I don't know. Why would you it, want it? It came up on the podcast and I was probably drunk or something. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? Hours of fun. Well, not hours. You think a remix? <laughs> yeah, man. Um, what, what, what are your thoughts? My thought is mainly that you're a massive gimp. <laughs> That's it. You're just a massive gimp. <laughs> I bought but it. Fair play. It's you... about the podcast, so I'm not, I'm not gonna like, play with it. I don't really know. I don't really know what I'm gonna do with it, to be honest. Can I have a look? Yeah. So, because my first observation was that it bears the CE mark. Um, of course. <laughs> but the CE mark that it features isn't quite compliant. No, I was going to say that. It's, not it's a quite, different it's, font. It, no, it's, it's been squished a little bit. So, yeah. it's not bearing the true CE mark. So, might end up killing you. Christmas will be fun with you. <laughs> <laughs> this is not CE compliant. <laughs> Put it back. Santa's taking it back, children. <laughs> I, <laughs> That's your voice, by the way, Phil. Thanks. So you can take the man away from his regulatory affairs positions, <laughs> but you can't take the regulatory affairs positions away Honestly, from the from man. Honestly, from like the distance we're at, the first thing you noticed about a box that plays music <laughs> is the C mark. Yeah. Jesus. To be fair, if it's not a medical device, I'm not sure of the exact rules, but mm. I'm pretty sure that the C mark should still look best, right. Best look it up. Best had. I'll, I'll get to that. Anybody else got anything else they wanted to talk about today? Uh, just to re-listen to my Spotify playlist when it's um, packed full of bangers. And you're not going to like them, but at least they'll be bangers in my, in my definition of the word bangers. Yeah, and then listen to mine and give it a fair crack of the whip. Now, I, I accept that some of the songs on there you're not going to have heard before, Ooh. but... We've heard of bands that you haven't heard of. And but also, listen to good. mine. Stick them on your playlist, let me find out about them, I'd like that. Listen to mine, because it's obviously the best. And you will have heard some of the songs, and you can have a jolly good time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So if you want to be educated, listen to mine. If you want to enjoy yourself, listen to Chris's. Is that what we're saying? Yeah. Uh, And if you want to hear some good music, listen to mine. Fine. I'll take that. That's fine. Yeah, me too. I'm happy with my position as the cerebral one. So we'll be back on Friday. More Owen Hughes. Or Saturday, depending on when you can be bothered editing it. (laughs) No, it wasn't that I couldn't be bothered. It's that I edited it and then I lost the whole pissing Mm, thing. Likely story. It really happened. 
my bloody laptop decided to upgrade to Windows 10 and then it just shut down spontaneously to do the upgrade, which took like an hour. And then when it came back, all the editing I'd done was lost. So I had to start again from scratch. Okay. Anybody listening here will know that, yeah, you can just about tolerate listening to one of these things once. You don't want to re-listen to it again. Nobody wants that. Nobody. I certainly didn't. Mm. Soul destroying. Mm-hmm. We will be back next week. Friday. No, we'll, we'll be back Friday, Friday and then we'll him. be back next week and then we'll be back the week after that and so it goes on. And so right. eventually you <laughs> die like so many Blue Peter pets. See you next week. See you Friday. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.